Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand in the house of God. This is none other than the house of God. How awesome is this house? This is the gateway to heaven, folks. This is God's church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, it says, His intent was that now through the church, say church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord now Christ Jesus he is absolutely dead center of the church he's the world was created through him the Bible says he holds all things together we come to church and we worship you, Jesus. We worship you in spirit and truth. And when we do, it galvanizes our hope. It galvanizes our faith to believe that we're in the right story. His story. His story. Amen. We could create our own movie. We could create our own life. But this is the greatest story ever told. This story of Jesus Our Redeemer lives, paying a price for us on the cross of Calvary. And now we've been translated out of darkness. And now we're standing in light. And now the devil has no hold over us. And if that's true for you, God is in control. If you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus, it could be a bit dubious who's controlling your life. So this morning, I I want to, um, uh, broad stroke painting terms, I want to paint on this large canvas of uh, this whole topic of um, God in control. So this morning, I want to state a case. I want to be like in in a courtroom this morning. And I want to state a case into the heavenlies that God is in control. And so that's what the church is about. The church is about worshiping our God, declaring our God. But it's about standing in the house and declaring the magnificence of God into the heavenlies and over our region, over the Central Coast. 320,000 people on the Central Coast. And this morning, people were lifting up high praise to Jesus. Amen? And we were declaring God... You're in control. Although darkness covers the earth, folks, arise and shine and know this, that God is smiling on you and the church and the people are strong in God. 
And we make a difference in that attitude. If we're downbeat, if we're dragging our feet, if we're just under the pump of all sorts of circumstance, you, you probably don't realize that. But right now, I declare that we're more than overcomers in Christ. If Christ is for you, who can be against you, the Bible says. And God is for the church. God is for you and I. And, and this is the day when I believe Aussies are on the precipice. Everywhere I go, through the marketplace, shopping centers, business, industrial sites, wherever, people are open to hearing about, is God in control? So this is a good theme, amen? Is things spiraling out of control? Is, is this the last hurrah? Is this the big bang? Is, is the whole... Jim Morrison said something about that. This is it, man. I'm going to party till this is this place ain't going to last. I'm, you know, I'm going to party and the whole thing's going up. No, it's not. He, he's saying it's a lyric. I cancel my subscription to the resurrection. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, Jim, now you cross the line. <laughs> yeah, right. We want, to, we, we want Aussies to cross the line into the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, he controls all things. Darkness is running amok, but Father God, we know that you are ultimately sovereign over every circumstance on this planet. Nothing can move without you saying, and we thank you for that, God. We declare the manifold wisdom of God into the heavenlies this morning, and the people of God say, amen, amen. Come on, let's really give it up. Let's really give it up. Let's... Give him some praise with our hands. Oh, come on. Let us shout out. Yes, Lord, we love you. You are our God in whom we trust. Amen. Fantastic. Give it up for the musicians. They're fantastic. Thank you so much. These guys rock even without a drum. You can take a seat. And uh, thank you so much, musicians. Thank you. Isn't God good? Okay, let's do this. I'm going to go through this pretty strongly. And, and, and so get your notepads available. I don't think you're going to be able to follow me by chasing up the scriptures. So get your pens, write it down. I'm going to build a case this morning why I believe God is in control. And we're going to preach this for maybe six weeks, you know, because this will contextualize your world. Because unless we can prove to our kids that living in the kingdom where God controls and he is ruling and reigning over his, his kingdom. It's about his kingdom, government, rulership. And it's increasing. The churches are rising. The church is gaining more influence. One of our podcasts, come up here, 150 hits on our, on our 150 that's 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 amazing. So don't think you know just the. Don't think that just your life can't do much or this church can't do much. We're we're going to present something into the heavenlies. We're going to believe that God can do more through this church, Nairobi Church Plant. Garth and Jamie aren't here this morning. They're at another church. They're learning some other stuff about what other churches do, and they will be scooting around just a little bit until they go 
to Nairobi. Isn't that good? We're planning a church in Nairobi. Isn't that fantastic? Through our combined efforts, through our combined efforts, through prayer, through giving, because we believe the kingdom of God is advancing and his government is increasing. And we need good, strong church in every city of the world. Amen? Is God in control? I ask the question, is God in control? That's the question. God is in control. This is true. A great place to start, and I've read so much on this stuff, I feel like I'm filled up to here with so much Great stuff. I don't want to get bogged down in any, but I just want a broad stroke. You know what, you know, just paint on the canvas and let's see what we can come up to. It'll, it'll appear that I'm a little bit all over the place, but we will get something out of this. Trust me. God, you are in control. God is our creator and that's where I want to start. He is our creator. Who believes in creation? Langdon Gilkey, a great man of God, obviously a theologian, very learned, in his classic work on the doctrine of creation, maker of heaven and earth, the book is called, shows us how the doctrine of creation is fundamental to everything else the scriptures teach. Amen? So let's start there. He makes this statement. He says, The idea that God is the creator of all things is the indispensable foundation on which the other beliefs of the Christian faith are based. It affirms what the Christian believes about the status of God in the whole realm of reality. He is the creator of everything else. On this affirmation, logically, depends all that Christians say about God about the world they live in, and about their own history, their own destiny, and their own hope. Full stop. The Bible is God-centered, and it yields this portrait of God, who is this magnificent king and creator, the creator of the universe, in fact. Yes, creation is amazing. It's brilliant to behold. But, and he expresses himself in a glorious fashion through creation. But a lot of people pull up short of getting past that wonder of creation and reaching God. It's an unfortunate thing that people pull up short. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, and I say being made, so that people are without excuse. What does that mean? That means by walking out of this building, standing in the paddock, looking up, uh, we had an evaluator on the property once, and he surveyed our property, looked at our building, and he looked up in the sky and he says, your solar access is amazing. I went, wow, what is that, the solar access? He says, the amount of sky you got over your property, over your, over your church. Do you realize how vast it is? I went, whoa, I've always felt like we're under an open heaven. This is fantastic. The solar access 
Yes, that's glorious. But who made that? Who's behind that? That's God. Amen? And people pull up short of that. And we've seen that in the world where people love creatures, whales. We've got whale watchers. We've got dolphin lovers. We've got tree huggers and and uh, you know and and but but it's God, you know, and the Bible says those ones that pull up short are like fools. They've they've in the first three chapters we are told of creation, the first three chapters of the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the first three chapters really gives us our theme of what the story, how the story is unfolding. The first three chapters tell us about the creation of the world, the heavens, man-made in the image of God, the fall of the human race, how sin entered, and God's redemption plan. That's what we're involved in right now, God's redemption plan. Is there a plan? Do we just come along to church? Do we just become Christians and, and, and we just get... Just, just allow ourselves to hang around this belief, this whole just feeling of that God is... No, we're on a mission. The church is advancing. It's pushing back darkness. Amen? God's in control. He created the whole shebang. We pay allegiance to Him. We subscribe to the resurrection. We subscribe to Christ. His death, burial, resurrection... He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's in control. All right, let's tease that out. Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you. So in the first three chapters, you get the theme of our present life. And then you realize there is a redemption plan. Redemption, how? Ultimately through Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And then we have this first prophecy. After man falls in the garden, God prophesies, he promises this in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity, what's enmity? Hostility, hatred, ill will, animosity, antagonism. I will put enmity between you, talking to the devil, between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Let's, what, what's that talking about? It's talking about that the ultimate seed of the woman would be Jesus. Amen. And so ultimately, this first promise is about our Redeemer. Amen. It's about the beginning of a long lineage of prophecies declaring that Christ will come, pay this, and win back this authority. Win back this authority from Satan and give it back. And take it back for for Christ's sake, but give it back to the church. So let's just check this out. So we're talking about crushed head, and, and what does this mean? The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head, indicating Satan's ultimate defeat. So even at the beginning, God, although mankind is fallen and and lost his privileges, lost his relationship with God, and lost his leadership, his rulership in that garden. God's got a plan. In the first three chapters, boom, it's all there. So the first stage of the devil's defeat, we know this, was at the cross. Amen? It was there where Satan was initially defeated. Satan didn't gain any power. 
get this, Satan didn't gain any power at the fall when mankind fell in those first three chapters of the Bible. Satan didn't gain any more power out of that. He didn't lose any power. Satan didn't gain any power at the fall and he didn't lose any at the cross. Well, hang on, listen to me. Even though Jesus went to the cross, Satan didn't lose any power. His power or ability didn't change at either event. His authority or the right to use that power did. Is that good news? Jesus dealt with Satan's authority at Calvary. Now, I know I'm cutting to the chase, but I want to try and get to some good news before just giving you a whole bunch of theology. Colossians 1.13 says, in the NKJV, New King James Version, says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. That's good news if you're sick, if, if you've got a devil trying to cause you harm. It's good news to know in Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Good news. But the Derby version, the Derby translation in 1.13 says, who has delivered us from the authority of darkness. I'm talking about God is in control, all right? I'm talking about God is in control. So authority is a very important word. Who has delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of he loves. The CB says it like this, Colossians 1.13. He rescued us. Now, this is awesome. He rescued us from the control. The control. Who's in control? He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus didn't say he had been given all power. He already had that. He was performing miracles, walking on the water, raising the dead. But it does say all authority. Do you remember it saying that? Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He had taken back that authority from Satan, from from Adam losing it and giving it to Satan. Jesus had taken it back and said, now I'm in charge. He goes to sit at the right hand of the Father and he says, right, everyone who wants to subscribe to me, love me, worship me and be a part of my kingdom, my rulership, guess what, guys? I'm going to be able to bless you, bless you and and." and give you your best life. Nothing can touch you unless I say it can touch you. Now, if you're in the kingdom of darkness, oh my God, and you see people being belted from pillar to post, you go, my God, how are they still living? I've, I've, I'm seeing some people so broken down out, out in our community, I'm going, my God, what, what has happened to this poor person? This is, this is uh, man, it's a devilish plot. Man, they've really been assaulted by life, by the enemy. There is an enemy. And he's causing havoc. And it seems like he's in control, but he's not. Jesus dealt with Satan's authority, the right to use his power, all abilities, That's where we come as a church to exercise our authority, which I'm actually really big on. 
we can exercise that authority as men. Lady, I pulled up in the car park. Lady pulled up beside me. I know her. I think it's okay to say. Barbara Langford. She's got a, had a big bandage on her arm. She does a magnificent work on the Central Coast, this region, for uh, Scripture teachers. She is in charge of that. She's an awesome woman of God, by the way. She's been doing that for years, probably 20 years. She had all these sheets. I've got to co-sign all the Scripture teachers going into the local schools. And, uh, and the first thing I saw was this great big bandage. And she says, no, I've had cancer or something. And I said, man, well, I've just got to pray right now. So I just started praying in the name of Jesus. See, authority. Authority starts to move in my life. I can't help it. It's like a traffic cop. I just no, back off, sickness. Back off. Stop now from this woman. I'm telling you to slow down. Back off. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare that sickness to bow its knee. We rebuke it. We cast it down. We declare it illegal in Jesus' name. Amen? That's what men do. Men get that little bit of authority thing happening sometimes. You know, men rise up to protect their families. Back off. This is my family. Back off. This is my domain. Back off. This is my house. Back off. These are my finances, whatever. Amen. Back off. These are my children. Man, I've seen the women rise up too. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. You know what I mean? Especially at playgrounds in that. Whoa, sorry. And moving on. And uh, <laughs> praise God. Behold, I've given you authority to overcome. Satan's power. You know, those little tussles kids have in the playground. And then the parents come in. You know, I'll see about that. You know. <laughs> so it's about authority. Jesus dealt with Satan's authority. That's got to be good news. Luke 10, 19, moving on. Behold, I've given you authority over. He says to the church, to you and I, Behold, Jeremy, I've given you authority to trample on scorpions, snakes, to push back the enemy's plans. Why does Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail? Because there's gates trying to prevent you coming to church, reading your Bible, praying, living for God, giving, living your best life. Gates. Well, I declare those gates, like Samson, we're picking those gates up and we're going to take them out on the outskirts of town and throw them off the largest gap and they're going in Jesus' name. Great story that, isn't it? Love that story of Samson. Just picks up the whole gates of the city. See, that's why the church gets a little bit demonstrative. The can't, church can't be nice all the time. Yes, we're smiling and waving, but there's a time when a lady pulls up to you, she's got a massive bandage, and you've got to say, in Jesus' name. And she's crying like this, and she's, oh, sorry. She's always very administrative, very together lady, classy lady. She said, sorry, I'm just not, not usually like this. You know, I'm just over this thing. And Sometimes you've got to rise up and declare Thank you, Jesus, you've given us the authority. Because of the cross, Jesus said, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. The second phase is, this is redemption plans unfolding. So the first thing, thing was at the cross, authority taken from Satan. He can't move without God saying so. The second thing is when Christ eventually returns to the earth, he will bind Satan. And place him in that pit, Revelations 20, verse 1 to 4. And then the third one, after a thousand-year reign of the kingdom, Jesus has returned. He set up rule. His kingdom's ruling and reigning. Guess what? You and I are in a good place for those days. The third thing is that Satan, of course, gets loose and starts to influence again. And we have this, eventually Satan 
will be cast into the lake of fire along with those who followed him. Revelations 20 verse 7 to 10. And scripture actually tells us and looks forward and God sees it. He's in control. He's on the outer of time itself. We're in this world that has this fabric called time. We must adhere to it. We must, we are reckoned by it. We must comply to it. But God is on the outside of time and he's looking. He can see the, the, from the first to the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He knows all things. He's omniscient. He knows all this. But God has given us free will. He's given us freedom to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. This is the ultimate gift that God has given mankind. God, why don't you stop all this stuff happening? People are making wrong decisions. Pilots are flying planes into the water. God, you, if you're a benevolent God, a loving God, why don't you do something if you're really in control? And this is why a lot of people who come out of the war, World War II, namely my father, 90 years of age, and he used to be an altar boy in the church, man, helped take the offering up, be a choir boy in the Welsh church. But when he come back home and he saw a lot of his friends not come home or, 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 or you know, tortured in POW camps, he was so dismayed about God. God, if you're a loving God, if you're a kind God, if you're a good God, why did you let such things happen? Why? Are you in control that you would let innocent people be hurt? And this is a fair question that we all have, isn't it not? Why, God, is my mum, my dad, my brother, why me? Why are you letting this happen to me? And this is why this theme is a very good theme. It's a fair question. We mentioned the word judgment. It's true, and it's one of the major reality checks that mankind have got to get used to, that there is a judgment from God for sin and, and, and where our standing is with Him. We've got to realize the other reality check is there is a great love towards us, amen? This huge love is towards mankind, although people are repelling it and saying, no, I don't want that love. I know what that love will mean, that I will have to get, you know, I will have to be real and transparent with this God. I don't want to be real and transparent with God. I just want to live my life. The other thing is, is the promises of God. All these great promises that are in the Bible. That's the, and you can, you can subscribe to a lesser reality. I don't want to know about your judgment. I don't know, know about your loving God. And I don't want to know about the promises of God. I want a lesser reality. Do you know anyone like that? I want a lesser reality. And we come up with these stories, you know. We come up with these philosophies. and We doing all right? We need to be constantly reminded that God created us and that we exist for his glory and pleasure and not for ours. Statement. The doctrine of creation is the bedrock foundation of every major doctrine of the church. Robert Webb observes, another great man, a God um, theologian, he says, the failure to affirm the doctrine of creation results in inability to come to grips with history and the meaningfulness of life. You, and, and again, you could say all this political correctness of our Western world is derived from the rejection of the doctrine of creation. The rejection 
of theology pertaining to God as our creator and his meaning for life. His meaning for life. We are excluding God from our natural and social sciences, meaning by excluding the creator God from our worldview, the Bible describes these people as fools. They're kicking uh, Christian professors out of the academic world in America. That's been a saga that's been happening for a while. They don't want creation to be spoken of or to be purported in those academic circles. There is a massive movement in America especially about cutting down the whole creation teaching and people literally have been sacked for speaking such things. We are in a dilemma. There is a lot of stuff coming against us, but God is in control, amen. Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The first affirmation of the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I didn't know this, but during the Apollo 14 lunar mission, 1971, astronaut Edgar Mitchell places on the moon a microfilm containing the whole Bible and in Scripture in 16 languages, he placed this Scripture on the moon, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what I'm trying to say that every biblical doctrine in the Bible is it's the, 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 the message, the teaching, the doctrine of creation is at the very center of it. So then you realize, God, if you, are, if you created this world and, and, and this world should be, you know, according to your goodwill, right and pleasant and loving and healthy in every way, what has happened? And everyone knows that Things are drastically amiss. We were created in his image. His image to love, forgive, show mercy, be patient, to give, to worship and serve God. Why isn't that like second nature to us now? It seemingly is like we've abdicated from believing that we are made in the image of God. Is it out of control? Yes, it is to a large degree. You don't have to guess that. The Bible clearly says that an intelligent, unseen person has been controlling both men and nations. It says in 1 John 5, 19, and this is dispelling the fact that maybe the devil's not there. Maybe we've been a little bit melodramatic. The devil marauding, looking for someone to devour, the Bible says in James. Hey, let's tame it down, my God. You know, this this personality called a devil. Look, I believe there's there's negative forces, but certainly a person called the devil. I'm not sure about that. I mean, there's horrendous teachings out there that there's no hell. It certainly wouldn't pass me wouldn't be put past me that that uh, that that people are saying that there's no devil. So it says here, one John five nineteen. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Who's in control? 
Revelation 12.9 says, misleading the whole world astray. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. But God is still in control. He has a plan of redemption for you and I. And he calls this new creation. This new creation. He's rebirthing people. He's going to rebirth the whole planet. Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Isn't God omniscient? Yes, He is. Isn't He all-knowing and knows the end from the beginning? And why couldn't He create it a more perfect world? Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. God, how could you let this happen? How could you let us fall so far into this mess? Can I say this? Free will. We have free will. I I can't help but I always think when I think like, preach this and study this, it's a little bit like our children. We want to safeguard them. We want to constantly preserve them. When they go to school, we want to go to school with them and be there with them. I know my mum was. She'd wait at me. I'd, you know, playtime would come. I'd go, oh, my God, is that my mum still waiting? And she'd be waving a vest. My mum used to call singlets vests. And uh, just that alone was embarrassing because all the Aussie kids called their, oh, you're wearing, your mum's down there waving a singlet. And she said, feel it, feel it. I went, oh, no, that's my mum. Go away. Go away. I'm a big boy now. I'm five. Leave me alone. Let me fall over by myself. Let me, let me get into some scraps, oh, you, you know. And, and that happened, you know. And getting a little tussle and things would happen, you know. But that was freedom. That was freedom. God's given you freedom. We want to preserve our kids. Just let them fall over. You know, it's okay. Let them touch that thing, that hot thing, and they'll they'll know. Let them eat dirt, and they'll, yuck. Stop. Don't eat the dirt. Don't eat the dirt. Whoa, what's wrong with the dirt? Then they get a thing about the dirt. Don't go near the dirt. The dirt. My mum told me the dirt is not. Then you got your kids sort of. Getting a little bit worried about life. The dirt, the kid, the water, the rain, the... Whew, this is a bad world. This is not a good world. Yeah, we want to protect. I say this in good ways, bad, but we want to protect. I say to Haddon, we turn up at this big industrial site. These two little kids get a... I say, it's your kids, man. They're big trucks. Are yeah, they're used to that. Let them walk around. And they're walking around. I say, whoa, you know. But that's his style. He's a country boy. That's what he does. Adam's a rural guy. He's not a city slicker at heart. Amen. I'd, I'd, personally, I'd have him in the truck. Just keep staying there. <laughs> Just stay there. You're freaking me out. You're freaking me out. Free will. Then you, then you get to things like, anyway, Pharaoh. You think he's controlling things because the Bible says in Exodus 9, 12, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. You know, Moses let my people go. And then the Bible says in Exodus 9, 12, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, because he's omniscient, he knew that this 
command to let the people go that he knew Pharaoh wasn't going to be compliant. And, and so don't, don't get misled by thinking that God's controlling people, actually. Then Acts 4.27, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel and the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And this is the important part, 4.28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Still, uh, can I just say that Pontius Pilate, Herod, did have their own free will. They weren't made to do that, but God knew that they were going to do that. Amen? God had this amazing ability or nature to allow mankind to stumble about until he could turn, or turn these things around for good. That classic scripture, we'll get there in a moment. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. It's like a father. It's like a father just willing to let their children move and, 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 and allow them to stumble and allow them to get into problems. And, but, but God has this ama- amazing ability, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, say in all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He does have a plan. Romans 8.21 says that the creation itself was liberated from the bondage, the corruption that we see out there. Everything's got problems. Even nature's got problems. My tree had a rash on it, apparently. So the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, my plants have got weeds in weeds and everything's imploding and, and, and there's extinction rate is high and Things are not good, we know that. But God says he has a plan. He talks about the new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. That new new, uh, bondage and that decay that we had when we grew up into, that was given us by the the law of life, that that we grew up into this sin, that we grew up into this propensity to, to decay on the inside, even our heart and even our soul, to be, to be hostile to God. God says, through my son, you're gonna, I'm going to create a new creation, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Galatians 6.15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Revelations 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You keep mentioning that, Luke. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and there was no longer any sea. God has a plan. There must be a plan. God is a God of purpose. He made you on purpose. You're here on purpose for a purpose. John 1, 1, I'm going to hammer this home. In the beginning, God was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Creation came. Next, He orders it, Colossians 1.15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him, Colossians 1.17. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. It's all held together by Him. He holds it together because it says in Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, he says in 1.3, he says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. There is a plan. He has a plan for mankind. Everything seemingly is going haywire, spiraling out of control. He did say after five days, 
after he made the heavens and the earth and all the, the birds and the fish and every creature, he said, this is good. He did say on the sixth day when he made man, this is very good. And he did say, there's something more, there's something else. And he did allow for the woman, this wow man, this warm man to be birthed, which crowned all of glory, by the way, you precious women, which crowned all of glory. And you precious women became the crown of glory. Even though God says, 45, Isaiah 45, verse 12, even though he said it was good, even though he laid him in, in paradise on Eden, Eden, but they fell into sin, abdicated from God's rulership, even though God says, Isaiah 45, verse 12, it is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hand stretched out the heavens. I marshaled the starry host. I marshaled the starry host. Wow. Father, you have a plan. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. What happened? Free will, freedom was given to us, a free will. Bob Dylan said it like this in a great song. He says, you've got to serve somebody. Maybe the devil, maybe the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. But God is still in control. After all I've said, I believe God is in control. But all these terrible things, certainly God cannot be in control. Would that be right to believe that because of all these terrible things and that a lot of people have assumed there cannot be a loving God? The Bible claims that nothing on earth happens without His say-so. He's a complete He's completely sovereign over all things. Who, the Bible says in Lamentations 3.37, who can speak and have, have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Isaiah 46 verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. Psalm 33 verse 11 says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. Proverbs 19.21 says, It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. But still God says, Pray this, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is sovereign over all things, but still seemingly His hands are tied to move and to do and to intervene even without the prayers of the saints. For some reason, he allows those things to happen. His permissive will, maybe as part of the freedom of choice we have as human beings. But the Bible says God has a plan that he will not rest. Jeremiah 23 verse 20 says, until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. What is the plan? Well, ultimately it is in Revelation 21, verse 3. He says, I've got a plan for the next world. Now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will live with them. They will be a people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I am making everything new. But I want you to pray, church. I want you to pray, he says, because in Genesis 1.26, he says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to 
our likeness, let them have rule, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. How do we do that? God's saying, let them take stock of the situation. Let them work their households out. Let them work their neighborhoods out. Let them take stock of the situation in their neighborhood, city, town, community, region. Let them, and that's where men come to pass. That's where men arise and say, we're not standing for that. We're going we're gonna to pray. That's what we do in this church. That's why I'm getting a little bit demonstrative when I look at families and children. There's a man of God at the front of the church says, no way, Jose, back off, hairy legs, devil. You're not coming and touching our people. That's why I pray every day. And I pray for families and children and marriages and businesses. I pray because the buck stops with us sometimes in praying for God to be in control instead of abdicating and saying, well, whatever, whatever. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Give me a best shot, devil, because I ain't going to pray. I ain't going to love God any more than I do. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to come to church. I'm just going to rumble and tumble with the best of them. Rumble in the jungle. Man, I've seen the best of them. Some of my friends, I've driven through my old neighborhood. Guys my age, broken down. Some dead. Because they've went with the flow. Didn't believe in God who controlled all things in a kingdom that they could live in. They allowed themselves to abide in darkness. And in that darkness, they were dealt severely. It's real. And unless our kids know that what we believe in, they're just going to say, what kingdom? God. Why do I need that? Why do I need that embarrassment in my life? Why do I need to be on the outer a lot of the time in growing up? And why, why, why do I need God? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna rumble. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang hang with the, the guys. I'm gonna hang with the hood. Instead of we've got some great young men standing up for Christ, standing up for God even at a young age, standing up in their school, standing up in their class. Life's about choices. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can even see some young lads saying that. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. You can, you can rumble with the devil, with sin and stuff. Let's all stand up. God bless you. Father in heaven right now, we know that you're in control. Devil, you're bound. You can't move without God saying it. And men, you need to rise up with authority and say, when you see your wife sick and downbeat and being troubled, maybe even by the enemy, you need to stand up and say, right, right this is it. This is gone. This is over. I've had enough of this. In Jesus' name, I declare, with the authority that you've given me, dear Jesus, I declare that trouble, that adversity to be illegal. And I declare it gone in Jesus' name. So you got to speak like that. You got to speak like that. You got to declare it, believe it, thank God, 
that he's given you that authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me and I give it to you. And I give it to you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Ephesians 1, 11 says, And in Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Hebrews six seventeen. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it on oath. Isaiah 46, verse 10. I make known from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. You are in control. Let's lift up holy hands. You are in control, Lord. It's might, it mightn't be happening as quick as what we want. Lord, why are we struggling so long? Why are people being hurt? Why are people suffering? We can't negate the fact that we're on a planet. We're suffering. Lord, why do good people get hurt? You're going to have to ask Him that when you go see Him. When you meet with Him on that precious day, you're going to have to ask about that loved one. I can't patronize you like the four friends of Job who says, Job, you sure you don't have any sin? You know what? They were silent for seven days. Imagine having four friends turn up your house. I mean, poor Job, he was rich and great and probably a little bit self-righteous, but still, um, Satan said, well, actually, God said, have you thought about my, have you thought about maybe giving Job a bit of a hard time? See where he's at? Ah, oh, you, you've got a hedge around him. you got him protected, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to fall for that. No, just give it your best shot. Uh, basically, you're saying, I trust Job, even though he's going to lose everything, lose his family, lose all his possessions. He had his four friends turn up silent for seven days. And finally, one of them said, you sure you haven't got some sin in your life? Don't you love friends like that? The other one said, the other, the other one said, uh, gave, gave some f- philosophical reason. The other one patronized him. They all had different angles. But you know what? Nothing was wrong with Job. He was a good man. He was a righteous man. He had, had to flow. He had to, he had to go through that. He had, he had to, pr- he, 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 he was, Man, it was glory to God because he was allowed to be tested in such ways that he didn't even deny God, not even at the at his wife's request. Job, your religion, your God doesn't work. Your religion, your Christian religion, church, it doesn't work. Give it up. Your friend might say to you, well, Job's wife actually said that to him. And he said he stomped his feet with sores all over him with nothing left. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. And He will redeem at the end of the day. Got everything back, double what He lost. Suffering is what life is about. You can't prevent your child. You can't prevent some things. God is sovereign, but if He allows us to go through that, so be it. We got to trust him, not deny him. We got to we got to say, God, why? But still, I love you. I know you live. You're my redeemer. 
But God, why have you done all these things? Are you in control? Yes, I am, son. Yes, I am, daughter. I am sovereign. You will understand later. You will understand. Trust me. What you've gone through and I've gone through, we still haven't made sense of, but there will come a day when He will consummate the ages and we will know exactly what we've been through, why the church is struggling sometimes, why people are struggling, why the planet is struggling. Why, God? Can't you intervene? And He says, trust me, I'm doing everything I can, but you can help our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we've got to pray church come on let's pray right now Father in heaven you are in control let's lift our voices let's sing and let's declare God is in control over this region over our hearts you are in control Lord I may be dismayed I may be struggling I feel like I'm unfairly being dealt with in life why did these things happen sin. Sin is a real thing. But sometimes happen. Things happen because you haven't ever sinned. It's just life. It's just life. God, I trust you. You're in control. I love you. Broken marriages. Bankruptcy. Illnesses. Children running away. You still live. I believe in you that you're in control of my circumstance. And I submit my whole life to you right now this morning. If that's you, you're in the house this morning. You say, God, I want to submit all my life to you. Lord, you've translated me out of the control of the enemy. You've translated me out of darkness. You've translated me into the kingdom of your glorious light. If you want that this morning, right where you are, you're not sure if you have come into the kingdom of his glorious light. If you're not sure if you're born again, if you're not sure that you are a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. If you're not sure about that, I would love for you to say yes to Jesus this morning. I have a short prayer for you. You can be ushered into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of light. God preserves us. God provides for us. God is in control. If you want that, if you want to come out of rumbling in the jungle, if you want to come and into the sweet love of God and His best life for you. I would love to pray for you. Everyone's praying in the house. If that's your heart beating right now and you've had enough tussling with the enemy, you've had it tussling with circumstance, you want to come into the light, into the kingdom where He controls all things. If you want that right now, I'm praying for you right now, right now. Everyone praying in the house. Just lift your hand on the count of three. If that's your friend next to you, you know they need this. Just give them a nudge. Give them a nudge, whisper to them right now. This is what you need, friend. You need to allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. If that's you, friend, right now, I just pray for you. On the count of three, one, maybe you gave your life to the Lord years ago, but you're not quite sure now what that means. Maybe you need to make a a recommitment. Maybe you've never done this before, but I pray for you this morning with this prayer that you'll be ushered into the kingdom of God. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, hands going up, three right now, if that's you, from the front to the back, from this side to this side. If this is a recommitment, a first time, salvation, it's all cool, right where you are, just lift your hand up and then place it down. Lift your hand up quickly, please. We're praying for anyone who wants to make peace with God. 
wants to come under his sovereignty so that he can work things out for good to those that love him. If that's you, God, if that's you, please, please, surrender now. Surrender. Give your life to the Lord. enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.